Welcome to church. It's great to see you guys sitting in the auditorium. It's great to see you all online. It's an honor to have you all here today and worshiping with us, as always, each and every day. So today we're going to be talking about something that we all have something to do with, and that's control. Self-control, control freak, loss of control, losing control, and how to give it all to God. When I told the staff when they were coming up with the ideas for the sermon series, they thought, well, what, which, what can it be? And I said, well, it's, it's control. And they said, control freak. I said, whoa, what are you trying to tell me here? I'm a, I'm a control freak for one thing, one thing normally only, and that's money, okay? Because I want to make sure our electric bill is going to be here next Sunday and paid for so we have electric next Sunday, right? But we all have some sorts of, of control in our lives. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today is, is control. How do we deal with control as a Christian? Before we get started with the message, have you enjoyed the pastor's messages since Pastor Ed's been on sabbatical? <laughs> Pastor Ed is getting ready to finish or complete 20 years of ministry here. He's been steadfast. He's been dedicated. He's been uh, relentless. And, and Nancy, of course, our first lady, has been right beside him. Uh, it's been great, great ministry here. So I'd like that you do me a favor. I'd like for you to fill up his inbox uh, with emails. His email is going to pop up here on the screen. There you go. Email Pastor Ed so that his mailbox just completely fills up. I'd love it for Outlook to say, oh, we got a problem in Winter Haven. <laughs> we have somebody overloaded. Let's send him, some, let's send him cards and letters. To, to Miss Nancy and Ed, just to thank them for 20 years of service here at Heartland. Our, our mailing address is on our website, 303rd Street. Our office is located right behind us here. And let's, let's let him know and she know that we appreciate them, we love them, and we're blessed. Listen, Heartland's blessed. Financially, you all support the ministries here. You support the staff here. You support everything we do in our ministries, we're blessed. You're great to work with. I mean, I see name tags over many of you all right now where you, you, you've just served. Uh, I know there's a lot of people, the, the tech team is in the back, the band was just up here. I know we have safety team people, we have uh, nursery workers in Smallville and backstage. Without you, we can't have church, bottom line, because you are the church. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much for your giving. Thank you so much for your prayers because you are who make this church work and thank you for allowing the pastors and the staff feel blessed during Pastor Appreciation Month. You all were so gracious to us. Many cards, letters, emails came in. We appreciate it. So thank you so much. Give yourselves a hand for the hard work that we all do collectively together. We are blessed as a church. Uh, being an executive pastor, I've, uh, I'm in a network with about 45 other churches. Uh, most of them are a little larger than we are. I'm on the lower scale. And I hear and listen to their problems and the, and the issues they have and the things they're struggling with. And I, I sit back and I knock, knock myself in the head and say, we're not having those problems. And I'm, I'm sitting there bubbling because it's, it's a joy to be here. And these other guys don't want to experience the same thing. I said, sorry, you're not a heartland. <laughs> and that's a good thing. 
So what difficult situation have you experienced recently? Death of a loved one, illness, cancer. A survey of Americans found that among the things that produce anxiety or worry in Americans are making a wrong choice with a major financial investment. Having major dental work or surgery. Audited by the IRS. I won't ask anybody to raise their hand. Speaking in public, being outdoors alone at night, becoming overweight. How about getting pulled over for speeding? <laughs> Pastor Ed, I forbid him. I say, don't you ever ask anybody if I've arrested or given somebody a ticket in church again. He did when I first came here. Hmm. Talk about uncomfortable. Doing taxes on your own. Having a credit card declined in public. Oh, the bank messed up again. <laughs> Try this card. <laughs> I won't ask you to raise your hand. How about a wedding? I certainly lost control when my daughter Lori got married. You've seen Father of the Bride? You know that part when they're trying to figure out who to invite because we have a sit-down dinner and it was going to cost per head? So while we're sitting down and talking about it, I'm thinking to myself, I remember the movie, and I remember they're making fun of him being the father of the bride and not wanting to spend money. I relented. I think we had, what, 950 people there? That's how much it felt like I, I spent. <laughs> Point I'm making is we lose control over some things. Some things you have to let up and lose control. Some things you, you don't. Some things you have to retain self-control. And we're going to walk through some of these things to help you so when you leave here today, you have something in your back pocket to lean on and to glean from. And that's why it's important. But I will share one thing with you. There's one thing you don't ever skimp on at a wedding, as I continue on a wedding. <laughs> Photographs. When people come to your house, they don't say, oh, pull out your VHS tape and let's watch your wedding video. What do they look at? Can't hear you. What do they look at? Yeah. It might be on the kitchen table. I'm just kidding. Living room table. And when they sit down, they start looking through it, right? Okay? Don't skimp on the pictures. Don't borrow a friend's camera. Don't ask a friend who took a class at the junior college. To be... Are you hearing me? Don't skimp on the wedding photos. Take it from experience. Lose your control on that one. I think sometimes our anxieties have anxieties, don't they? I'm sure the list could go on on those things. There's someone probably here watching right now or attending in live right now who's feeling like they're out of control or down about themselves and the way they look, feel, and cannot find happiness. There's probably someone here right now that has thought about suicide at one point or another in your life. There's probably somebody here right now who's looking for an answer to a major problem. There's someone probably here right now that's facing an important decision and struggling with the outcome. There's probably somebody right now who's worried about a situation that is upcoming. And there could be somebody here or watching right now who's living in darkness, misery, and doubt that are looking for answers in their own way, asking for help 
Is it you? Think about the loss regarding the virus, illnesses, finances, or passing of people we know or even in the government situation we're involved in today. Personally, over the last few years, I've dealt with some life-altering events myself. 2016, passage of my 39-year-old niece to pancreatic cancer. That was a tough one. 2019, passing of my mother-in-law to dementia. 2020, passing of my father to congestive heart failure. 2021, passing of my sister-in-law to COVID and heart failure. And 2021, same year, passing my mother to brain tumors. That's been tough. Talk about losing control. I'd share with the staff during our staff meetings. I've lost control of certain things in my life. What, what's going on? You know, you sit down with a doctor over something and it's, it's almost like doing your fingers because you don't know what they're saying and you're trusting them. You're doing your best. It's hard. For the first time in my life, I'm able to say, I know how you feel when you lose a parent. Don't like to be able to say that because I'd rather have my mom and dad still sitting right here in the second row. But that's, that's just that's life, right? So I've had to learn to deal with control and things I don't have control over. I've had to learn to have confidence in certain things in order to get myself through that time. So how much control do we have over all situations? Not much. But how you deal with it is what you have control over and how you can progress and serve the Lord. That's what makes all the difference. I've officiated over several several celebration of life services. First time I see some in right here today that have done your husband or wife's funeral in the last couple of years. It's been difficult. And again, I'm not sharing with sympathy, looking for sympathy. I'm just sharing with you that it's real. <laughs> it's real with our pastors too. It's real. Pastor Ed lost his mom a while back. It's, it's just real. But, but how we deal with it, move forward, that's what makes all the difference in the world. Well, enjoy making decisions and because we think I don't need help. I'm intelligent. I'm rational. I'm wise. I'm educated. <laughs> but that's not always the case, is it? For those keeping score, here's some symptoms of a control freak. All right, you ready to listen to these? See how many boxes you can check. Control freaks tend to correct people. They refuse to admit they're wrong. They're judgmental and critical about other people. Think they always know what is best for any situation. They want or need to win all arguments. And control freaks think they're responsible for everything, including especially other people. Is that you? Listen closely. But there is hope. Listen to this. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Eight o'clock, I barely heard anything. 9.30 was a little better. Y'all are rocking it. <laughs> In every life, we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Okay. First service, we didn't do the chorus. Second service, we did it one time. I think I'm safe to do it with you all in this service. Y'all ready? Don't worry. 
Good job. I'll get in trouble for that one. Pastor Ed, I'm sorry. I'm just having a little fun. The setting is Jesus has people gathered around him, and he's talking about how to instruct them with their lives and how to live. Listen, I'm convinced if the Bible says it, I believe it, it's the truth, and I live by it. I hope you are the same way. So with that in your mindset, let's look at Matthew 6, starting in 25, verse number 25, the continuation of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is teaching about the importance of you and practical living. We all want to gain a sense of control. I get it. It's important. It's hard not to have control. But again, there's some things you have control over, some things you don't. How you deal with it as a Christian is what makes all the difference. So join me in reading Matthew 6, starting at verse number 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Hmm. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither toil nor spin, work hard, or spin their yarn to make their clothes. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow stone of the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need, that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow is going to be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do you know that managing things on a daily basis helps when tragedy or helps when situations come, how you deal with them? It's like a rubber band. If you imagine taking a rubber band and strumming it because it's already tight with tension, already tight with issues, and something else happens and it stretches a little bit more, it's able to pop, isn't it? But that rubber band is kind of like laying there all soft and whatever. And something happens, okay, it stretches out a little bit. Well, then you have all this much more tragedies and stuff It can stretch much more. That's why it's important to manage daily situations in your life, the things you have control over, things you don't have control over. And if you'll manage those things daily, you can stretch with the problems that come about. Little things. So the first thing we're going to see is God forbids us to have an anxious spirit. Verse number 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about you will eat what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is life, not more food, not more than this food or body for, or clothing for your body. Is it more important? Sure it is. So listen, B.E. Stanley Jones says this, worry is the interest we pay on tomorrow's troubles. It's going to be there. There's no sense in yearning for it and waiting for it. Secondly, God gives us an example for instruction. Verse number 26, the birds of the air. Hmm. He's saying, don't worry about it. 
They don't have to store up. They're going to be taken care of. What about this word value? Where it talks about the value that he has in you. How more value are than they? Worth, importance, merit. Talk about a little bird versus you. Well, certainly you're worth more value than a bird. I used to have a church member's home when I lived in North Carolina. I used to love going to her house because she had bird feeders all along her eve of her house, whatever that thing is. Yeah, the, the roof eve. Isn't that the name of it? Okay. Don't act like, oh, what else have you? She had several bird feeders. One was liquid, which I guess is for hummingbirds. Then she had other bird feeders with food food. And I would love to go and visit because there was hundreds of birds all over these feeders. And they were going at it and having a great time. And I thought to myself, this is pretty cool. But one thing I noticed, there weren't a bunch of dead birds laying around. I didn't see dead birds on the street going to her house. I didn't see dead birds out in the yard. Why? God's taking care of them. So you are more valuable than they. And that's what he's trying to tell us. Listen, I've got the birds covered. I've got you covered. Don't worry about it. That's something I always take stake in. Number three, God shows us the uselessness of worry. Uselessness of worry. And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? Pastor John Hagee in Texas says, once that a woman worried for 40 years, she would die of cancer. She finally died of pneumonia at the age of 70. She wasted 33 years worrying about the wrong thing. What are you worrying about today? That's useless. Do you have control over it? No benefit at all. It can create physical health issues. Um, I go to Newberry Clinic on 6th Street. Been going for 30 years. I was playing church softball. Church softball, not pro ball. Church softball. I was playing catcher. My brother was playing outfield. Somebody was on second base. 6'2", 210, 12 pounds, big guy. The batter knocks it out. My brother catches it. Inside the diamond, he throws the ball. I catch it. This guy tags second base, comes around third and heading home. Heading home. And he's a big guy. He's driving at home. Almost called an ambulance. <laughs> All I did was turn around. I wasn't in the line and to tag him out. And what did he do? <laughs> Boom! Right in my head. Now I'm a skinny guy. And it knocked me to the fence. I was dazzled. I was, I was seriously dazzled. It took me a couple minutes to get back into the groove. Started developing severe neck pains. No one can figure it out. My MD couldn't figure it out. What's the brain doctor? Neurologist? Couldn't figure it out. It's a true story. So they zapped me on medication. Shouldn't have been driving, let alone I'm a police officer working at the school, school resource officer. Had no business driving. My lunch break, I had to go to my mom's house to lay down. I was tired because they had to zone me out. Till one day, his daughter, who's a cheerleader, because a school resource officer, came to my office and she saw I was hurting. She goes, you go see my dad. She said, I don't believe in chiropractors. Thank you. She goes, <laughs> and she says, you can sit there and hurt. That smart aleck kid. <laughs> I got on the phone. Doc Newberry. I went down. The first adjustment I had, true story, he laid me in my, did the adjustment on the back, turned over in your back. 
twisted my neck and pop, 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 both sides. Some of y'all are doing it right now. <laughs> Literally the first time in weeks, probably months, I didn't feel pain. True story. Didn't feel pain. Actually, I couldn't feel anything. I thought I was paralyzed. <laughs> True story. I look up. I said, Doc, I'm paralyzed. <laughs> I said, but it feels good. <laughs> okay, hold on. I lost my thing here. Hang on, I'm trying to remember why I said that. <laughs> Sometimes we use this and your hand hits it, it starts throwing it back and forth. Oh, yeah. And before you go, after you get the, the adjustment, you go into a room where they have the traction machine. You lay on it as a roly poly, it goes up and down your back and a hydro. So you sit in the outside lobby and there's a poster on the wall. And I've seen this poster for 30 years. And it shows the progressions of a man or a person. On this poster shows somebody normal. And it shows somebody physically and it has stress. Go a little further, it shows them more and it has a, has a uh, cane. And it shows where the body is, is actually decaying because of the stress that comes on the body. You, you don't, and, and I know my wife's down here thinking, you need to speak to yourself. I am because I'm that way too. I can let things weigh on my shoulders and, and be upset about things, I can. I've gotta be careful and guard it myself, I'm not perfect. But I'm just asking you from a physical standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, be careful about how stress and how the things you can't control, control you. You need to gain control over those things. And it says in, the, in number four, God reminds us of his providential care. We talk about the word observe, to learn thoroughly, as it talks about consider the lilies of the field. Consider, to learn from them. They don't toil, they don't do anything, but yet the lilies are beautiful. And Solomon, as rich and richest man in the world, could do anything. Even what he says, it talks in verse number 29, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God's saying Solomon had everything, but these little lilies have more than he does. Verse 30, I hope it's something we never hear. Oh, you of little faith. <laughs> when I get to heaven, I want Jesus to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear you of little faith. That wouldn't be good. There was a 75-year-old woman who had a vision one night. She saw and spoke to God. She asked him, how much time do I have to live? He said, you have 35 years left. So that whole year, she had a ton of cosmetic surgery. She had a facelift, a tummy tuck, nose reshaped, liposuction. She completely did herself over. She figured as long as I have 35 years to live, I'm gonna look good. After all this was done, that same year, she was hit by a car and was killed instantly. It's not a true story, whoever's gasping. <laughs> I don't want you to get scared and lose control. When she entered St. Peter's gates, she walked over to God and said, what happened? I thought you said I had 35 years. God replied, sorry, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> so you have to be careful how much money you're spending to keep control over that. You are special to God. Can I say that again? You are special to God. The first time you start thinking I'm not, you're wrong. 
God created you. If he's going to take care of lilies, if he's going to take care of little sparrows, he's going to take care of you. Now, you may not get everything you want, but he'll provide your needs. He will find the way. You will find the way to get covered. Work on the things you have control over and deal with the ones you don't. Some of today's issues stem from social media. Just want to throw that out there. TikTok, TikTok, whatever it is. Facebook, Instagram. I'm sure there's about six others that I don't know about. Because not only young people, but people tend to compare themselves, themselves to what they're seeing. You with me? I don't look good as that person. I don't have what that person has. And these are people you have no idea who they are, but yet they influence you. And I'm talking to adults just like I'm talking to kids. Watch your social media and how you compare yourself because that's an instant way of losing control. Guard yourself. God has the ultimate care and provision for each of us. Are you seeking it? Are you expecting it? Number five, God offers us a gracious promise. Therefore, do not be anxious, uh, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? For the Gentiles seek all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. I think I'm reading that right, all right? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. If he knows you need them all, don't you think he's going to cover you? Again, you may not want, or you may not have everything you want, but he's going to cover you. That's how I'm reading that. If you pursue the spiritual things in life, God will provide all the material things in your life. All of them. Part of this process is accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. If that's something you've never done, you'll have an opportunity to do that today. Because that's where it all starts. You're in church, so obviously we're going to tell you about Jesus, and that's what it's all about. That's where it all starts. Lastly, God encourages us to be diligent in our daily life. Seek ye first. That word seek is to endeavor to find, to really grasp it and have an understanding. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day its own trouble. Leading biblical counselors say lack of faith leads to psychological anxiety. Okay, I don't want anxiety. Goes on to say, since this lack of faith is identified with sin, Christian counselors are correct in asserting that our emotional problems mostly stem from sin. Think about that. Sin is where it gets started. Sin is where the problems lie. If you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you have the Holy Spirit in you and will help you with those sins. Amen? It's, it's not simple, but it is simple. You just have to be diligent in that process. The book of James says, count all trials and tribulations as joy. <laughs> we were driving down the road in, in North Carolina many years ago. It was raining, couldn't see, the road shifted, and I had a stinking median thing in the middle of the road. What do you call it, median? Popped the tire, had to get out, change the tire, and pouring down rain and dark. I was mad. We weren't paying for AAA. We were in seminary at the time, so we didn't have money to pay AAA. I was counting all that joy, you know. So I get to the tire store next day, and my little pancake, whatever they call those little donut. I haven't had breakfast yet. I'm hungry. 
and a pancake sounded better than a donut. <laughs> Quit interrupting my story. I get to the tire store, replacing the tire and the rim. I call my brother, it's killing time. I say, hey, yeah, you hit something last night down here. He goes, count it all joy. And I thought to myself, are you crazy? <laughs> it's my youngest brother. My, my middle brother's in here today sitting in the back. Usually he sits down here because he's afraid today. So my, my, my youngest brother, I said, what do you mean count it all joy? I'm paying for a tire and a rim. Are you not hearing me? Yeah, Book of James says count it all joy. <laughs> so my little brother was correcting me. He was right though. If we had the mindset to understand that tribulations will come, yeah, inconveniences will come, situations will come, how you deal with them is what makes all the difference in the world. And I know there are people in here right now that have gone through some tough situations, okay? And this is what Pastor Ed always talks about. This is something that pastors deal with. We, we know, and we know too much, but we know that there's people going through situations and we, we have to deal with you and, and love you and help you walk through it. It hurts, hurts, but that's what we're here for. And we're gonna get through life together. The pastors love you here. The church staff loves you here. And we want to do our best to serve you and to help you through these times when we question things. I was once asked by a, a Christian, why should we have to have insurance if we don't have anything to worry about? Or we're not concerned. Well, we are concerned. We are worried. Because it needs to put your mind at ease knowing that you and your family are taken care of. That's what insurance does. To remove the obstacle of concern and worry and wondering, which is part of sin is about. So insurance could also pertain to being a Christian and loving God and doing the daily things we talked about. So you're saying, what do I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. There are some convictions that I'm asking you to think about. Focus on these convictions. Know that Jesus is Lord and on the throne. That's, that's novel. You know, just like Pastor Doyle, he always says this, you know, it didn't, it didn't make God scratch his head when something happens. God knows. Nothing takes him by surprise. And the quicker you get that through your mind that God is on the throne and he's running things, the better you'll be. Now, you may not agree with everything about it, but he's on the throne. You may not like it, but he's on the throne, and it's not, he's not scratching his head wondering. Conviction two, believe that Jesus' way is the, is the truth and the best option for your life. He's waiting for you. And again, accepting him as your Savior and Lord is your first step into gaining happiness and gaining joy and gaining control over your life and dealing with the things you have no control over. Conviction three, Align your life up with his will and seek and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many times have you been somewhere, experienced something, when something told you to do something different? Or you followed what you kind of felt to do. That's called the Holy Spirit. If you're saved and a child of God, that's called the Holy Spirit. Have you been, ever been yearning or... Ever, something ever, ever kind of got in your mind you want to tip somebody an extra tip because they did a good job or you just felt good about them? That's how the Holy Spirit works. 
the nudging, the urging, the unction, all these things. Follow the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's what's going to get you to the other side of dealing with self-control. When things are too heavy to bear, think of the cross. Pastors and Christian leaders get discouraged and worry about things too. We all have to gain a new perspective on the controls on our life. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ in all things that are in your control or out of your control to make decisions. I love this song that Javier is going to come and sing. My mom used to sing it when we were kids growing up. It's got a little high part in it. My mom has always been an alto. There's a high part in it. So when all the kids were sitting together, we used to wonder if she's going to hit the high note. She's going to get it? She's going to get it? But in her latter years of life, in the last couple weeks of her life here on this earth, she would sing it to us at the hospital or at the rehab center. She'd just break out in it. Sonia told me at her first service this morning, she goes, thanks a lot. I said, why? She goes, Javier does a good job with the song. But he, she used to sing it when she volunteered at our office. And I didn't know that because my office is kind of away from her, but Sonia was right there. And she would sing the song to the staff. It's a song where it lines up exactly what this message is about. And that's why when Pastor Mike and I were working on it, I said, we got to do this song at this time in the service because it speaks to people's hearts. And, and Javier does a great job with it. So let's listen to Javier as he ministers to our hearts.